Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Grace Valley Church. Isn't it great to be in the house of the Lord? Just an awesome uh, time to worship and to be together. Um, as we dive in uh, today, we are in the book of Acts here at Grace Valley Church. Uh, we are walking through the entire book of Acts. And uh, I hope you have your copy of, of the Acts journal that we are walking through. It's a great place to take notes. It's a great place to connect and hear the voice of the Lord as we dive into his word. And uh, today, uh, we come upon a, a passage of scripture uh, that is found in Acts chapter 11. Uh, we're going to be looking at the first uh, 18 verses that are there. Uh, we're going to read those in a few moments, but I want you to know that uh, the title of my message here today uh, is The Privilege of Salvation. Salvation is a, an incredible gift. It is a privilege for you and I to know the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And, and we come upon this incredible privilege in this uh, passage of Scripture. At first reading, uh, as I was preparing and, and uh, working through the book of Acts and came to this passage, it's like, what are we going to do? This is, a, this is a repeat of chapter 10. Uh, here, here Peter is now retelling this story and and this story that we just came out of in chapter 10, now he goes to Jerusalem and he encounters this moment in Scripture. And I want you to know that um, as we dive into his word, there is something I think that we really, I, I hope, I pray that, that you and I can grasp today. Because uh, not only do I have my Acts journal, but this morning I have my, my Bible. How many of you, anybody here have your Bible with you? Oh, yeah. Let me see those. And, and this counts, too. I know, I know in our world. Yeah, I see the screens. I like it. Yeah, I got two Bibles. I understand. Um, and, and so uh, as we walk through the Word, as we walk through the book of Acts, um, we, we understand the power of the Word of God because it is life to us. And... And some of us, you know, that artificial life that we receive when we have a cup of coffee in the morning. How many of you had a cup of artificial life this morning? Come on, raise them high. Let me see. My fellow believers. Hallelujah, Jesus. There's uh, something about coffee in the morning uh, as we wake up. I'm holding a five-pound bag of coffee. That's awesome. This will, this will help us for quite some time to enjoy uh, the, the energy levels that it brings. And some say, I don't need help in that area. I need all the help I can get in that area. And I'm holding a five-pound bag of coffee, and inside of this bag are many, many little beans that produce uh, something that is, is powerful uh, in our lives or can be in our lives. And, and you know, kind of like this bag of coffee as you're seated here and you're looking at it, I'm showing it to you, but inside of it, if I can get this open here, inside of it uh, are these, these beans. And there's some beans in here. 
And so you're looking at it from afar, but I mean, there's plenty of beans in here. There's a couple, two, 250, 300 people here this morning. Imagine if we, if we uh, kind of took a bean and gave everyone a single bean. You had one in your hand. Now you could kind of smell it. I don't know about you, but the aroma of coffee is a fabulous thing. Oh, I hit a nerve there. Not a nerve. I think I hit a hallelujah moment. Says, woo! Pastor Brian says he has his coffee cologne on this morning. <laughs> Sprayed it on. So if I gave you a bean and each of you now had a bean, you could smell it. It would be there. Now, some people cover them in chocolate and eat the bean. Uh, you know, if you did that, you'd kind of get the taste and the flavor of what that coffee was. Um, if you took this bag and, and took it and poured some into this is a, a coffee grinder anybody use one of these things awesome if you don't you're missing out and you put some beans in there right and then i don't have it plugged in but you turn it on and and this thing grinds it and it's a it's an amazing process that you take this bean you put it into this process you grind it and it comes out and it goes through, this does the hard work. This takes the bean, crushes it, and makes it into something usable that you can pour into this beautiful thing right here, which I love. And then you take this hot water and you add the water to it. And, and all of a sudden, it just kind of begins, oh, and it smells amazing up here. <laughs> and, and you make that cup of coffee, and oh, the bloom. And here's this fabulous moment where the bean was in the bag. We all see it. We know it's there. Maybe, you know, if each of us had one in our hand, we, we can sense it. But then when it gets crushed and it gets applied and, it, and the watering process happens, all of a sudden it goes into this, this carafe that can be used to pour a cup of coffee. This is my actual mug from my desk, my Grace Valley mug. Um, and if I take this in a moment, I never have had a cup of coffee during Sunday morning service before. And you, 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 you see this process happening. I want you to know something. That this simple moment of coffee... I showed you a bag. I, I doubt many of you would go home this morning and go, hey, wow, church was awesome. Uh, Pastor Kurt showed us a, a bag of coffee. It could be really similar if I just showed you the Word of God. Maybe each and every one of us have a copy. Some of you have two or three. Some of you have four or five. Some of you have five to ten copies of the Word. But there's something amazing that happens when that word isn't just something that we see, but we open the word and all of a sudden it just begins to go through that grinding process. The Lord brings it into our mind and all of a sudden the word comes to life and then all of a sudden the Holy Spirit pours on that word and it kind of steps into our lives. You see, there's something that happens about seeing the bean versus getting the bean to a usable form to get the bean, that coffee, I can't wait. That, I don't know about you, but that first sip of coffee in the morning, it's like, whoa, 
It's amazing. I'm getting a lot of amens. No, what's even more vital is that we get the word of God inside of us. It can't just be something we look at. Oh, there's grandma's copy. It's on the shelf. I love that. Boy, someday, you know, we're going to pass that down from generations and generations. We have to dust it off. You have to dust off. I, I want you to understand that there's something powerful that the Lord gave us when he wrote 2,000 years ago, years and years ago, these stories that come to life for you. And I, I don't know if you've ever read the word and the word all of a sudden, you, you read a passage of scripture and it's like it knew exactly what you were going through. It was like, wow, that is for me right now. That is what the Word of God is. As we walk through the book of Acts, I pray that you walk through it with us. Don't just listen to what I say or Pastor Andrew, who brought the Word last week, was a great message. Pastor Brian's going to bring a message. Pastor Naomi, Pastor Kelly, all of the who, who speak and bring the Word. Don't just take our word for it. Hear and apply the Word in your life. Can I get an amen? Something happens when we get it inside of us, and it's not just a book on a shelf, but every single day we, we read it and we understand it and we ask God to help us understand it, and then the aroma of it starts applying to our lives, and, and we start to experience life like never before. I'm telling you uh, in my, my heart that this day and age that we live in as followers and believers of Jesus Christ, more than ever, and we've always needed to, but more than ever, we need to have our feet firmly planted on the Word of God. The Word is our power source. The Word is our strength. And as we take that first cup of coffee in the morning. We need to make sure that every single day we're hearing from the Lord. And so as we go through Acts, I pray that you don't just wait Sunday to Sunday, but walk through it with us. Study it. Let it go into the grinder. That's our minds. Did you know that the Lord wants to speak to our hearts, but he also wants to speak to our minds? He doesn't say, check your brains at the door and believe blindly or follow me blindly because his word makes sense it touches our mind our heart and our spirit and we understand as we step into this passage that my hope is that the word would come alive to you today and that you would experience a year as we step into September I talked to one student this morning and I said when does school start they said tomorrow morning boo hiss as we launch into this school year, I pray that this is an incredible school year, an incredible season for us as followers to allow the Lord's word to really uh, go into some, just uh, really, I want to say saturate, that we would be saturated in his word. And so as we step into this section, into this passage that we happen to fall on this Sunday, my prayer is that the word would become life to you. And as I read this passage of scripture, it was a, really a repeat from what happened last, uh, the last couple weeks that we've walked through uh, chapter 10. But something very 
uh, amazing is kind of revealed here in the beginning and also at the end of this passage that sandwiches this story that we've just walked through over the last couple of weeks. Now, I don't know about you, I don't know if you've ever experienced criticism, but Peter here experiences some criticism. Let's read the first couple verses to start. It says this, Now the apostles and the brothers who were throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcision party criticized him. Everybody say criticized. Saying, you went to uncircumcised men. You went to uncircumcised men. Here he is, in, in, as he's stepping into this, he comes to Jerusalem. He kind of knows what's facing him. And here this criticism is right in front of him. I want you to know that probably each and every one of us have, have probably experienced some criticism. Each and every one of us has probably criticized something. We've probably both been on both, on, on both sides of that. You probably can't even go through a single day of our lives without experiencing hearing someone's criticism about something, anything. There are so many things in our world that everybody loves to criticize. So you've either heard it or you've even done it, probably on a daily basis. Peter here faces the criticism in the passage that we fall on and we understand something very powerful and I think we learn an incredible lesson of how to deal with criticism here in Acts chapter 11 and I'll read these two verses again and then we'll walk through the story he says now the apostles and the brothers who were throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles also had received the word wow they're now hearing the story Wow, they, the Gentiles have received this word. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcision party criticized him, saying, you went to uncircumcised men and ate with them. But Peter began to explain it, and uh, began and explained it to them in order. He laid it out chronologically in order of what just took place. He said, I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I saw a vision, something like a great sheet descending, being let down from heaven by its four corners, and it came down to me. Verse 6, looking at it closely, I observed animals and prey, animals and beasts of prey, and reptiles and birds of the air. And I heard a voice saying to me, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But I said, By no means, Lord, for nothing common or unclean has ever entered my mouth. But the voice answered a second time from heaven, What God has made clean do not call common. This happened three times. Three times. And all of it was drawn up again into heaven. And behold, at that very moment, three men arrived at the house in which we were sent to, uh, sent to me, were sent to me from Caesarea. And the Spirit told me to go with them, making no distinction. These six brothers also accompanied me, and we entered the man's house. 
And he told us how he had seen the angel stand in his house and say, Send to Joppa and bring Simon, who is called Peter. He will declare to you a message by which you will be saved. You and all of your household. As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell on them just as it had, just as on us at the beginning. This is an incredible experiential moment where Peter has six men with him who witnessed that the Holy Spirit descended on them just as he did with us. Who are them? them the Gentiles, those who were non-Jewish. At that time, this message was for them and them alone. And here, Peter is saying the Lord has opened this message that it would be proclaimed throughout the world. He will declare to you that message that you will be saved, you and all your household. As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell on them just as it did in the beginning. And I remembered the word of the Lord, how he said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. If then God gave the same gift to them as he gave to us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could stand in God's way? When they heard these things, they fell silent. And they glorified God, saying, Then to the Gentiles also God has granted repentance that leads to life. Peter, in this moment, handles the criticism. The criticism that was there, it, it was right in front of him. They they began to chastise him. How could you do this? Called him before them. Here he is amongst them, the, the leaders and the brethren, and he's leading them in this story and telling them what took place. You know, this could have went, this could have gone very differently. But Peter, in this wisdom, in this, this uh, moment, he takes this and he he sees that that as he shares the story, he does so, and in doing so really gives us an incredible pattern or way for you and I to overcome criticism in our lives. What do we do when we're criticized? What do we do when someone says something bad against us? What do we do when those difficult moments come? Now, let me just ask this. We'll just get this out of the way. How many of you in the room have ever had someone say something critical of you? I know who I'm talking to. Someone has said something very critical of you. Can we be honest? How many of you in this room, you yourself have shared, oh, hands are already going up. You know where I'm going. <laughs> you yourself have shared something critical about someone else, right? So you and I very much, we understand criticism. We know what it does. And the way that we handle criticism says a lot about us. It says a lot about us, too, as followers of Christ, as to how we handle criticism, because criticism can do a lot of things in our lives. When we hear criticism, it can move us, it can mold us, 
It can form or fashion the way that we think, the way that we think about ourselves because of someone else's criticism. Someone else's criticism could cause us to be angry. It could cause us to be mad. It could even bring anxiety upon us because of the criticism that we're hearing. And so how we handle criticism really speaks a lot about us. Peter, in this moment, is confronted. It's, the Bible even says they criticized him for bringing the message of the gospel to these who were uncircumcised. This could have gone a very different way. But I want to encourage you today. When you face criticism, stand firm on the truth. Stand firm on the truth. Peter didn't back down. I mean, this is the, this is the way it's always been. He steps in and leans in and says, let me tell you a story. Let me tell you what happened. And these six men were with me. We'll get there in a few moments. But this response that they have in verse 18 blows my mind. That they all of a sudden in that moment were silent and they glorified God. Their, their literal criticism got flipped upside down. And because of the way Peter handled it, because of the way he communicated back to them, he did so in such a way that literally flipped the page and they now said, let's praise God. Let's praise God for bringing this message of hope. I want you to know that when you receive criticism from others, how you respond could very well either draw people in or it will push them away. Our response is the key. Our response shows, as this passage is an incredible uh, picture of how to respond to criticism. Uh, in Daniel 6, we know uh, Daniel shows an, a, an amazing response to criticism as King Darius, uh, is, he's faced with an incredible challenge of his faith, and King Darius, uh, of course, uh, puts him in the lion's den. Daniel, a man of integrity, dignity handles it and when he comes out on the other side king darius decrees what everybody's going to praise this god because of how he handled the attack the criticism the conflict whatever that leads to in our lives so word reaches jerusalem that the gentiles were now responding to jesus and as Peter arrives, uh, and he tells this story now from Acts 10, and he tells the story, he recounts the story for them, uh, what I notice in that passage of Scripture, Peter responds by retelling the story, and a key detail that Luke uses in this book he tells what Peter, I, I think Peter understood, I know he did, he understood what was needed, and when he headed to Jerusalem, in verse 12, he says this. These six brothers also accompanied me. In the law at that time, seven witnesses were required to establish a truth of something. 
the six brothers plus Peter made seven. Everybody good with math here? You followed that? Six plus one equals seven. These seven men were fulfilling the scriptural law that was required at that time of the truth to establish the truth of something. Peter here is an incredible model of how to handle and respond to criticism, even from fellow believers, because as you know, criticism leads to conflict or it leads to unity or it brings healing. In this situation, Peter teaches us how to take criticism, which could have turned into an incredible conflict of the gospel. Instead, he flips it around, and now we see that it's about to bring unity to the believers at that time. I don't know about you, when I was a kid, I enjoyed watching something called Friday Night Fights. They had boxing matches on Friday. Oh, I see some heads shaking. Uh, some of you are old enough in the room to remember that. And, and I remember watching, back when boxing was a, 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 a deal, it was something to watch. I remember growing up watching Marvelous Marvin Hagler, Sugar, Ray, Leonard, Thomas the Hitman Hearns, Mike Tyson. I remember watching Evander Holyfield, Mike Tyson. I remember being in college, and then they started. Stuff used to be on TV. You could watch it. Then they got smart, and they made people pay for it. And I remember having a the one of my friends had a, hey, we're, we're showing the fight. We're going to order it in. Everybody pitched in, and we all got to watch the fight, and we couldn't wait to watch this Mike Tyson fight. We all got the food, got the chips, got the stuff out. We're about to watch the fight, and 30 seconds, it was over. That wasn't against Evander Holyfield. That was against someone. I was like, what? How many of you know what I'm talking about? How many of you, you know what I'm talking about? Boy, he was young. Oh, my gosh. We thought we'd enjoy a, a few rounds, but it, we didn't. And, and this boxing match that unfolded before us in that day, as I mentioned, boxing was huge. Every young man wanted to be Rocky. Come on. You know, we said, let's go. Visited Philadelphia for the first time. And uh, man, it just... We didn't even get there. We wanted to, but the day got away from us. It's like, what do you want to do when you go to Philadelphia? The only thing I want to do, I want to run up the stairs. I want to go. We did something better. We went and checked out Pat and Gino's. Anybody know what I'm talking about? No? Okay, I'm sorry. Big old cheesesteak, fast feud, two... We went and we checked out the food instead, is what I'm saying. Run up the stairs or eat. Yeah, let's go eat. <laughs> and, and in that moment, you know, every young man wants to be Rocky, and we grew up in boxing and, and fighting, and, and really the boxing ring was, was a symbol of conflict between two men. I mean, they would argue, they would say bad things about one another, they would tell them each other what they're going to do to each other, like, I'm going to destroy you, you know. 
Come on, Muhammad Ali, he was a talker. He was a talker. He would tell him what, you know, float like a butterfly. Look at you go. And the boxing ring really became this, this symbol of, of conflict where everything was, was duked out. Everything was, was fought over and, and there, would, there would be one winner. The sad thing is, in life, we probably have a lot of boxing rings of our own where criticisms that we encounter lead to conflict, which lead to a battle, which lead to the destruction of a relationship of various things in our life that once were good are now not good. Maybe you've experienced it. Maybe your workplace has been a source of difficulty. Your workplace can get ugly sometimes. Or maybe your vehicle when you're driving there, I don't know if we have those uh, slides there, that would be awesome. There it is, your vehicle. I hope none of you look like this while you're driving. No? I don't know if you've ever had an argument in your vehicle and you are both trapped, you can't leave. And I hope it's not on your way to church. Isn't that where it always happens? No. I'm sure your bedroom has probably heard its share of arguments. It seems that social media is a boxing ring 24-7. People duking it out, sharing their opinion, their uh, whatever it is, and usually it's not in a loving way. The courtroom now is made to settle scores where we are and what we face and how we encounter and, and win the battle. It's take them to court, do what you need to do. We're going to settle this once and for all. Sadly, schools and classrooms, they have their moments of disagreements and arguments. Students also encounter online game systems, which really is amazing. It's a, a place where they can argue in real life with people that they are virtually fighting. And they argue with them online and they don't even know who they are. I don't know about you, but growing up, one of the biggest sources of contention for me, uh, man, was the school bus ride to school. Where's that one dude? He's back there. I'm going to sit up here. I see you smiling. That the, the sources of of criticism we try to avoid them so that maybe they won't say anything to me maybe that person who's just always a thorn maybe they just won't say it maybe I won't see them but then it becomes that that burden or the baseball field or the bleachers where parents sit and watch their kids play becomes the serious scene of regret did I really say that out loud or wow did you hear so-and-so I couldn't believe they are out of control Sadly, even the church has become a place, many times, turned into a boxing ring. The church should be the safest place where people don't have to worry about criticism or conflict. They should experience hope in Jesus Christ. I am so thankful for a church. I am so thankful for a church of people who love 
with the love of Christ to accept people where they are and understand that our church experience, really, we, have, we protect it. And as a church body, we love and care for one another. But can we blame people for wanting to be cautious about church? Many times, church is a source of criticism and pain because they haven't experienced a loving church family because they believe that there maybe even is no such thing because of previous church experience. I'm thankful that Grace Valley Church is a place where people can experience the Lord and understand how to deal with criticism and conflict. Do, you know, I'm telling you, biblically, the Bible tells us, handle it, handle it quickly, handle it right, and watch God. I'm telling you, criticism either leads to death or it leads to life because even in the midst of criticism and conflict, God can receive the glory in our lives. He wants to take that and he wants to mold us and understand here that being committed to following the word of the Lord is in this area can be very difficult. Why? Because certainty, it is with certainty that these things are not just found in church. Humanity itself is plagued, as we talked about earlier, with criticism and conflict. Live in a world where just the past few years, riots are far too common. Destruction. I don't like the way something is, so we'll destroy it. Family breakups in America are rampant. Domestic abuse in in, is, is rising at an alarming rate. Violence in schools is always a concern now. Now we, we pray uh, even more fervently over our kids when they go to school. And, and this picture doesn't even tell the half of it, of the violence that we've experienced in schools in America. Conflict has become entertainment for people to watch, especially uh, on social media or even in the boxing ring. Like we, we've talked about that conflict, that, that shouting mat, whatever it is that, that is taking place, that has now in our culture become entertainment. People like to drop a bomb, sit back and grab their popcorn and watch it all unfold. And I, I understand that even in our own homes and in our own lives, Conflict, watching it is, is something else, but it's never fun when it's us. It's never fun when it's our own life. When that shouting match happens with your son or with your daughter, maybe you dread going back to work because you know the confrontation is going to happen. Maybe the holidays, I know we're not there yet, but I know many times holidays are a heightened sense of of experience maybe you don't even want to you don't want to go back to work because you know you're gonna have to deal with the situation that's there but then the other side of it is dealing with family when family gets together someone's gonna say something someone's gonna do something something's gonna happen we're praying that it doesn't everyone's real quiet right now because 
all of a sudden, Friday night fights becomes a reality in our own homes, in our own lives. I don't know about you, the, 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 one of the biggest, uh, probably most famous sayings of, that came out of that whole boxing thing, and you probably heard it, come on, let's get ready to rumble. Somehow we know when things are about to escalate and that criticism, that point of contention turns to conflict and, and we understand that from what we saw in Peter, you and I can learn and understand with the Lord's help how to respond correctly to criticism. And it starts with this. It starts with the right attitude. Having the right attitude. But Pastor Kurt, it feels so good to fight back. Come on, when someone says something, oh, we could be quick to... Let me just tell you. you. You see that wrong with me? Let me tell you what's wrong with you. But Peter had the right attitude. He didn't come in in a defensive posture. He came in... And he shared with these men the vision that the Lord had. And as he shared that, I know that if you and I can understand when we encounter criticism, when we encounter difficulties, when we encounter things that people say about us, and that we learn to tame our tongue and understand that God does not want to use us to criticize. He wants us to bring about healing, hope restoration, to, to encourage our brothers and sisters, to encourage the people around us. But it starts with having the right attitude. They say that attitude will determine your altitude. That means the, the height at which you will ever achieve is based on the attitude by which you approach life. And having the right attitude, when someone has a criticism, instead of a quick bite, a quick snap, being able to process that and speak wisely, calmly. What Proverbs tells us to bring a soft word, not a harsh word. The second thing, don't involve others in your conflict. The Bible gives us very clear directions on how to approach a conflict. In fact, go one-on-one. -on -one. You say, wait a minute, he brought six men with him. Yes, he did. It is very different. These six men were first-hand witnesses of what took place. Too many times when we are criticized, we like to let everybody know about it, gain favor on our side, and, am I right? In fact, the Bible says, go handle it face-to-face, -face, not Facebook-to-Facebook. One-on-one, face-to-face. That's a recipe for success. Don't involve others in your conflict. It makes a mess. You tell everybody about the conflict. Then we make it right with the person that we had conflict and all of these other people are still mad at this other person because they didn't know that you settled it down and the score is settled. Don't involve others. Do what the Bible says. Handle it one-on-one. -on -one. 
Jesus says that we should do it alone, expressing ourselves to others in our pain and our hurt and our frustration against someone is really a weak way to justify what the Bible calls gossip and sin. That's what that is. That is gossip, which is, as the Bible tells us, sin. When we do that, we're not solving the problem. We're not handling the problem biblically. In fact, we're making it much, much worse because we're dragging other people into it. Let's keep loving people. The enemy uses this tool to destroy relationships, destroy homes, destroy churches. If Satan can get God's people focused on themselves, they have a hard time focusing on reaching others. If he gets me upset with you, I have a hard time loving the lost. If you have ought against a brother, and that is your focus, in whether it's in family, at work, at home, at, at church, your attention is off of the things that God has created you to do. He has a purpose for your life, and it's not to be mad at someone else. He wants us to walk in unity. The goal that Peter set out for was this, number three. Success is found in the restoration of a relationship, not winning a fight. This is so countercultural of the world that we live in. People are so focused on being right and winning that they forget to simply just do what's right. Success is healing, not winning. It's restoring, not being the victor. Our response to criticism either leads to conflict or it leads to healing. Proverbs 15.1 says a soft word turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. So our response to criticism either leads to conflict or it leads to healing. The Lord tells us through his word, through this picture, through this story, is an incredible illustration of Peter facing criticism, taking that criticism, not allowing it to become a conflict, but instead sharing what the Lord has done. And I find the response of these brethren really mature and really amazing. And it wasn't just Peter standing in front of them. He had six witnesses of men with him. He fulfilled the law by having seven witnesses who saw what took place, that these men experienced the power of God in their lives. The same thing that happened to us, it happened to them. you're the one bringing criticism to those around you to do this you really have to be honest with yourself you'll have to admit your failures as well in order for you to reach restoration if you're approaching another person about a fault better be willing for those or others to do the same for you 
Peter handles the criticism that comes his way masterfully. He shares his side of the story with those who have criticism in their hearts. And they're changed and they begin to accept what God is doing. And the benefit of all of this, this could have been a source of conflict. This could have been a source of divide. Instead, he met the criticism and the criticism was laid to rest. And because of it, you and I today have the privilege of salvation in our hearts and in our lives. Salvation is a privilege. It's found in this last verse. It says in verse 17, we'll get to the last verse, but let's look at verse 17 and 18 as we close. If then God gave, some, uh, gave the same gift to them as he gave to us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could stand in God's way? When they heard these things, they fell silent. There's a great wise word right there. When they heard these things, they fell silent. And they glorified God, saying, Then to the Gentiles also, God has granted repentance that leads to life. In verse 17, it says that they were given this same great gift. I don't know if you and I can see that gift today, but I, I hope that in the next couple of seconds you'll understand this great, great gift that was given to them that is also given to you and I. They were given this great gift. I don't know if you've ever had moments remembering. You ever had a moment where you remembered some things that you've done wrong? I remember a point in my life remembering some of the things that I had done and being overwhelmed with the Lord's presence and forgiveness in my life. Things that I had done in junior high, middle school, things that I had done in high school, things that I was remembering and you know, it, I don't know about you, but I, I think human nature is, we love to make excuses. We're really good at making excuses. Well, that's probably just because I had a tough upbringing, or maybe that's because, you know, I, 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 I felt this way, or boy, they deserved it because of this. And we can come up with all the excuses of why we do or have done the things that we've done. Can I just tell you? that there's not a single reason for why we've done what we've done. There is only one, and that is this, that you and I were born with a sinful nature, with a propensity to sin. And because of that sin nature, we were born with a, with a pride, with maybe even an ego. We have those things that are happening in our lives. And because of those things, these moments happen. Many times in that moment, Maybe it's because, well, I had a bad day. Maybe it's because I felt like they had it coming. That's why I did what I did. But I want you to hear this as we close today. This right here is where we encounter the core teaching 
of Christianity. It's the core teaching of Jesus Christ. Right here. Anyone who does not receive forgiveness from God. And I want you to know that it is right for him that you and I, because we were born in sin, with sin, that we have done sin, we have done wrong, we've had those moments, it is right and justified for the Lord to condemn us as sinners. Anyone who does not receive forgiveness from God, even though it's the right thing to do for God to condemn you and I, it's the right thing to do, it's what we deserve. But God instead granted repentance. This incredible gift for you and I to experience called repentance. The first thing that has to happen is that you and I have to realize that we need Christ. And there's only one person who can ever receive forgiveness, and that is someone who realizes that they have sinned. And this gift of repentance is not something that just happened one time. When I was young, I asked Jesus Christ into my heart and into my life. I was a terrible person. I was awful. And then at six years old, I repented of all my evil ways. And I gave my life to Jesus. Let me tell you something. When I was six and I asked Christ into my life, that was not the only moment in my life where I repented of my sins. I've learned I look at my own life, I deserve death. But Jesus Christ came and he offers you and I this incredible gift of repentance. And I want you to hear me today. This is for every single, this gift is for every single person in this room today. His grace and his mercy, his repentance is for you and I. I don't know about you, but I am so glad that the gift of repentance has come to the people of this earth, that we can know him in his salvation, the privilege of his salvation. If you're in the room today and you need the gift of repentance in your life right now with me just lift your hand to heaven all across this room you need that gift of repentance that he would heal men restore help us to overcome those things in our lives Lord Jesus, you see these incredibly hope and hearts and lives. God, that we, your servants, Lord, we, your children, we need your mercy and your grace. God, I pray, Lord, right now, in this moment, as we close this service today, God, I pray that all across this room, our hearts would be broken and open to the knowing and the understanding of how much we need you in our every single day lives. 
God, I pray that your hope and your mercy will fill us. You can put your hands down all across this room. I'm going to invite you to stand to your feet. Pastor Kelly and the worship team are going to lead us in a chorus. Pastor Brian's going to come and he's going to close our service and our time today. Can we just take one second? Could we be really real with ourselves today? Bible is an incredible gift to you and I. It's something that we desperately need in our lives every single day. The Word of God, somehow, we need to get it into us. We need to be able to take it and drink from it and say, God, speak to me and let this Word become life in our hearts and our lives. I ask you this question as we close our morning service today. Are you able today to understand even in the road you've traveled, I kind of think it's like knowledge. The more we learn, the more we understand, we, we learn that we don't know. The more I receive and experience God's grace, the more I realize how much more I need God's grace, his forgiveness, and his repentance. Today, are you able to understand how much you need Christ in your life? Are you able to comprehend this magnificent gift of repentance and really how much we need it? Are we able to understand and make room in our hearts and our life? You see, it's easy to justify ourselves in our sin. It's easy to say, hey, I, 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 I understand, but there's reasons why I am the way that I am. But if we could dare today to lay down all of our pride, all of those things that we hold, all of our excuses, and today in this moment before we leave and go about our week and head off to the day and go out and have lunch with our our families or whatever your plans are today would you take a moment and just look inside and say God I desire your repentance in my life if you desire his repentance in your life, that privilege, that gift of salvation, that hope that only comes from him, if that's you here today, right now, as Pastor Kelly leads us in this song, would you worship him and would you offer those things to him? Would you just lift your hearts, lift your hands, take a posture of worship, whatever that means to you. Let's just worship him and let's invite him to meet us right where we're at in this need today and let's invite him in to this moment in Jesus' name. Thank you. 
give that word a hand clap. Come on, give the word a hand clap. A powerful, sincere, transparent word and very practical that we can walk out the door and begin to live. That God, we pray this morning that you would help us to be God encouraging and not critical. And we confess, Lord, that at times we are critical of others because we are actually crit critical of ourselves. And so, Father God, I pray that you and you say to love others the way we love ourselves. I pray you help us love ourselves a little bit better so that we can treat others a little bit better. Repeat after me, church. There is grace in the valley. And his name, his name is Jesus. God bless you all, Grace Valley. Come back next week. Bring a friend with you. If you are a visitor, please visit our Welcome Center. We have gifts for you. Go take Jesus to this valley. God bless you. Yeah.